One. 
Morning. Trust that, well, I say morning. Um, good day, everybody. As I said last time, we don't know what times you're listening to this, but uh, good day. Trust that you're all well. Here we are back in the hall. I, uh, I must say driving here and realizing that I'm going to be preaching to myself, and I know you're listening now, but it's just not the same. Having all of you guys around and just the context of what makes up a community of people and the fun that we have when we gather and just knowing the power in those gatherings and times together. Oh man, Neville chirping me, Neil chirping, everybody having something to say, just having a good laugh and time together. But uh, we just be patient, hang in there. Our time's going to come. We'll be able to be able to gather again together. Okay. And I just uh, know that we're going to learn. We've learned so much through this season and time. So let's hang in there and uh, trust the almighty. And it's spring. It was upon us. Cape Town again will lie to us and tell us with cold and snow, it's proven every single year that uh, as the turning of the 1st of September comes, we have a cold spat, which it's doing it again. So at least it's consistent. That's a good thing. Um, I just want to thank Joe and Lydia for your fantastic video there. That's on a separate YouTube clip just to give ease to all the families and the homes fighting over devices and who's going to watch what. Um, there's a separate YouTube clip that we'll put into the instructions and the comments um, with regards to this video, but uh, they spoke about a cheerful heart is good medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. And uh, I think it's just pertinent to what I want to say here today. So thanks, Joe. Thanks, Lydia. And I just want to, you know, just to, again, thank you, the worship guys, for the songs that are being produced. You know, Andy and um, uh, Anna and Lydia kind of helped me put this last song together. And that's a song that they've, as a family, in a sense, have written because Lydia also gave her advice into what she felt words needed to be added to that song. But that song's more than just a, a song that we can sing. You can see we captured something there. There's an anointing that's on that song. And because that song has been written from a, a place of the depth in their heart, and you know, some of you might not realize this, but Lydia's got some you know, health challenges that they walk through as a family. And that song was written out of the depth of that place, you know, into God. But yet he's our deliverer and he's the one that we serve. He's the one that we love. And that. So thanks, Andy and family. Just uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful songs, and just how worship and music just resonates and touches our touches with our hearts, and and that. So, so here we are once again. And I was expressing a little bit there on the drive here to earlier to you that it's just not the same. And I, you know, I must admit our hearts, you know, go through so many different moments and turmoils and thinking and the realities of. You know, and so for me, you know, about the bay and the church and the, that God has given us as an eldership to lead, where are we at? Are we doing okay? Yes, lots has happened. There's been a lot of positives. There's been a lot that's taken place during this lockdown. But it's for where you're at to sense where people are at and where their hearts are. And it's very difficult to, to gauge at this time. You know, so our hearts do have many up and down moments of just, you know, questioning and pondering and asking where things are at and just you know longing to get back together and realizing we're not fighting for a meeting really it's just it's not a meeting that we you know we're entitled to have no it's the it's the freedom that we have to express who we are as god's people and in these gatherings together so much is just cemented in our hearts you know and, and given us so much of 
what we have together as a community. And I want to just talk into that a little bit this morning or today, you know, and, and the context of things happening online, you know, I think it far more answers the question of, you know, you've, you've done what's required of you. I've done church now. I've watched the service and I've done things like that, which is, it's just not the sermon. It's just, this is just a little part of it. It's not, it's the togetherness. It's the coming and knowing that we're in the same kind of context and knowing that, and yes, we speak by being a community of the spirit, but you know, when we meet and when we gather, and as I say, it's not just fighting for a meeting, but this is like, you know, the context of, of being a community and realizing is something else satisfies us when we gather together. And that's this piece that we've kind of been missing. And I think what's important for us is we need to, you know, as we start arising and, and I'm purposefully not reclining on this chair today and leaning back and talking to you, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning forward. My posture is forward because I think we need to be in that position now because I really believe September is going to be a key month. And we're positioning ourselves now for some fresh things, changes that are going to be taking place on how we go forward as a church. And we've got to find wisdom and how we do that. And it's not just, you know, do what other people are doing. We hear what God is telling to us. But I feel it's something the church is going to be doing as a whole in this nation, particularly. And just showing our togetherness, you know. But it's the posture that we have. We, I'm ready to get up. I'm ready to get going. Because there's many questions, many things we've learned in this time during lockdown you know, in your own heart. But if we don't learn from what we've just been through in the last five months, it really is pointless in our own selves. We need to apply some of the things. We need to adhere to some of the challenges that we walk through. We need to listen to our bodies. We need to be in touch with our emotions and all the things that stir up inside of us and listen to those. And that takes by sitting and being quiet and allowing the pain to arise, allowing the confusion to kind of come up, allowing those emotions to come so that you get in touch with What's going on inside of you? And that is the spiritual maturity with this emotional maturity that really makes the people of God very powerful. And uh, that's what we have to do in approaching this kind of time. So we've been going through the book of Joshua. And, um, you know, it's taught us a lot uh, that we've helped us through this last kind of um, weeks that we've been talking through this. And we've all been blessed. I'm honestly been blessed by this book. What has spoken to us, giving contents to what we're walking through. So I really want to just touch on one passage today. And, you know, as we know, you know, from the first seven, seven chapters that we've touched on, the next few chapters, there's just a lot of fighting and taking ground and a lotting of stuff. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. But essentially, you know, Mo Joseph starts, sorry, uh, Joshua starts speaking to the people and basically giving this final charge, you know, of like, just obey the Lord and the blessing will flow. If you don't obey and he does sort of what Moses did through Deuteronomy and reads the law and they kind of made a fresh covenant with the Lord. And it's this constant picture of obey and you will succeed. Disobey and you will find cursing come upon you and your family and your household. It's such a simple equation and how we you know, live and learn to understand that in our days today as well. And before we go any further, yes, you know, part of the question is where's your heart at? You know, and, and why I'm saying, because now we can watch this and go, okay, it's not really maybe suiting me. And we just switch to something else and to try and get in and, and please ourselves with some other kind of form of, of doing something. What we have as a community is where our hearts are invested. And I want to touch on that today. And so where's your heart at? You know, and we, we, we're going to be asked of to step up in this next little while. And what that looks like in our hearts going to have many different questions in it. How we're going to respond to that is going to be an interesting kind of process, you know. So I want to just read Joshua 24 verses 14 and 15. And it says this, Now, therefore fear the Lord 
and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served. Now that gods is a small g, eh? gods your fathers served in the region of the river, uh, region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow, that is such a powerful and we all know that verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And just a quick summary of this book from chapter 8 onwards right up to you know 23, chapter 23. There's just a lot of fighting. And then, as I said, the allocation of lands. And so we see a lot of victories. We see land conquered. We see in that story how the sun incredibly stops and stands still for a whole day so they can continue a battle. There's one line in, in chapter 10, which is quite powerful. It says, there was not a word from any tongue spoken against Israel. What a powerful time that no nation was going to even say anything bad about them around them because they had seen such conquest and such victory take place from the people of God. How we long to see the church arise like that, that no word would be spoken against the church because they see the power and the genuineness and the love and the God that we serve operating. Absolutely incredible. And then we go from chapters 13 to 22, and there's a lot of land that gets attributed and, and allocated to all the different tribes of Israel, land that they've conquered. It's allotted land. It's inherited land for the tribes. You know, there's a city of refuge, cities of refuge that are set up. And then you see the eastern tribes, they built this massive big altar and the other tribes come against them and saying they're disobeying God. And then they see their hearts and no, no, it's okay. They even were going to start fighting amongst themselves, humans, people, same thing over and over again. And some things that we can pull out of that, you know, without God, they could not have done it. All their conquests, all the victories, without God, they could not have done it. And yes, the spin on that is that without them, God would not have done it because he needed a people to work with and to work through and the power of you know we understand as you know Emmanuel God with us you know and Emmanuel is with us he has a line that we can use and then we put the emphasis on emphasis on different words and we understand and see how God is with us in all ways and so we can say God is with us God is with us God is with us and God is with us what a powerful playing out of that they saw this as the people of Israel God was with them and he chose to work in and through them. And Joshua at the end starts giving final blessings to the people of Israel. But the sad story is, you know, if you read further, you get into Judges, the next book. The people didn't actually continue. The Joshua generation, as they call it, didn't actually continue in the things that God had asked of them to do. And we see Judges, all the ups and the downs. And then further on through Chronicles and Kings, all the ups and downs in the years that took place. And I, I had a, a chat with a friend yesterday, a very interesting chat, just catching up. He's not in Cape Town. And he made mention to me of a, of a study that had been done over 75 years. This is from a TED Talk that I just obviously just caught up with as well. And they studied 726 different men. And the study started in 1938. And they chose guys that had just finished their studies. And at that time, they would have to then go and serve and fight in the Second World War. And, but they also chose a young group of boys from a real rundown area in Boston, uh, in the United States of America. And what they did with these 700 and something men, they studied their lives for 75 years. So they studied all the ups and the downs, their medical reports, their 
context of what they worked, the jobs they did, the kind of lives they led, um, studied the brain, did all sorts of things, and they just kept caught up with these men. And now, in that, that TED Talk was in 2015, there were still 60 of those men that were still part of the program that influenced and had about 2,000 of their children. And then later in the last decade or two, they introduced the women in part of the study. And, and you know what they... They found out after 75 years, which they say is, it might be one of the longest studies ever done on some subject, but it was on people and how lives and how their different worlds played out. That from the study, that, that some of the younger people, and if you ask a younger generation today, their drive and what they're asking, and they even asked of these young men when they grew up and they got to their late, um, late teens and early 20s what they wanted to do. They wanted money and they wanted fame. And you often, we think in life, the context of, you know, to be somebody and to have money and to be wealthy and the context of stuff, that part of it was actually not even the least of the thing that was the most satisfying in people's lives. And it came down to literally one thing that pointed out of the study of 75 years in those people's and those men's lives with their families, that those that were healthier, those that lived longer lives, the study proved it was those that were in relationship with people in their lives. Quality relationships that actually fed them and they weren't around. And the, yes, the ups and downs of life. But one example is a marriage that has strife and challenges and difficulties was almost worse because of the strife and the relational problem than, than getting divorced and just separating and going different ways. Still strife, still struggles. But 75 years of study proved that it was relationships was the most key factor. And I, and, I, and I see this happen in our world all the time. I mean, I love playing crosswords, you know, on my phone and I do crosswords. But every weekend there's this, now we've got this group of South Africans. I've never met any of them. I don't know who they are. But there's this group of South Africans that now play this little journey every weekend. And there's this com competition that's on and we need to try and win. People live for this moment that they're all excited that this now, they, what are they crying out for? They're crying out for togetherness. They're crying out for community. And so from family to friends to community, these are the things of relationship that build into our hearts. And I want to just build onto that of what Joshua is saying. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the question I ask that, you know, where's your heart at with all the things and all the challenges that we have through life, you know, and it's these close relationships. Now, you know, you look, here, we are a church community and we are part of something. This is why the church is such an incredible and powerful model for what this study it doesn't say that it's a Christian study. But it's a study of seeing our life and the church and the community that we live and have. And the reality is you, you don't join a church because you're looking for friends. You know, you know we, we belong to a family. And the point of, of this not joining a church to look for a friend is that you are part of a community so that you can be a friend. And we can share life with one another. And these last kind of five, six months have kind of taken that a little bit away from us. And they say... Those that actually live in isolation die younger and there's more illness and more sickness in their lives. And those in their 80s that are isolated, the pain they feel in their bodies is far more exaggerated from those in, that are in their 80s and they feel pain in their body. They feel they can survive it more because they know they've got people in, around them. I mean, it's just such a simple factor of how we live and how life is going to, you know, and it's, it's before we, and the church has probably erred in this, you know, is that before we go and take on the nations and go and change the world and do everything that we do. We're a community of people together 
because you're going to go and do all that stuff. Well, who are you going to do it with? And bless Morton and Lizzie. You know, see, our hearts miss them and we connect and all the challenges that they're dealing with in Malawi because we're in relationship. There's a, a deep heart connection that sets us up to be able to walk and journey with them. But we release them to go and do what they call to do. So they're not doing it alone. They're doing it together with family and friends and seeing God to do that. And I realize, you know, what we don't realize well in today's society, we don't realize well, is that what we do today and how well we do it today is going to count for something in the future. It's going to count for how we bear fruit. And when you're young, you don't think like that. But when you're in your later 30s and 40s and your 50s, you start thinking a little bit about what have I done? What have I achieved? And when you get to your 60s, 70s, 80s, you start reflecting on my life and how the things are. And it's the relationships that are going to be the most pertinent thing that build into your whole life and that. And, you know, I think this whole technology and social media and world that we live in, you see, I, I say this over and over, we can't be conned that we have relationship and connection because of social media friends. It's this context of a community of people in, in your life that watch you journey through the years, the ups and the downs, all the things that you want to kind of do. And, and the power that we have, you see, that wasn't a Christian study. I've not known any study that's gone for 75 years that has been able to continue for that long. That's a, that's, that's a true, honest reflection, not a three years over a couple of men and you kind of see what happens. No, it, it's, it's proven stuff. And what we have as a church community enhances that power of a relationship because we're a spiritual community as well. We're a community of the Spirit. And there's another level that we take, another depth that we take this to, that we're not just gathering together like we're fighting for a meeting. There's some spiritual significance that sets an order over the context of our lives, over our communities and our families. And then you realize why the enemy has so attacked the family. He has lambaste the family unit because it, it, it's an image of God. It shows God as family, as government, and that, but he wants to break it down because that's where the power lies. And we've spoken about this, the family unit and all that, and this community, a church family, these chairs need to be full. This is really terrible preaching on my own. My voice is even echoing in this hall. You know, we're together in this, and this powerful spiritual community that we have together, man, it is absolutely incredible. And you know, even within the church, here's the sad part. You get people that are deceived in their own selves and they walk away from a relationship because they think they can find something better and work away. And they walk away from the power of relationship because of something that they couldn't work out. And you see how the enemy gets in and deceives people's hearts. And we've got to learn to fight through things. This is why I'll continually say it. Well done, Uncle Ken, who we last Saturday celebrated here his memorial here with his sister who was in her 99th year i i knew that man for 35 years i watched him bury two of his children i've watched him bury his wife i watched him bury his sister-in-law i've watched him go through all the trials and journeys in life he's also seen my life he's seen me grow up and start leading in the church and worship and and you know meeting kathleen and then breaking up with kathleen and marrying kathleen and having children and starting to take over the life of this church the meaningful relationship that we had was just years and years and years of watching each other's lives. That's why it hurts that he's gone. And the church is so powerful in this. This is why I'm touching on our hearts because our hearts have asked us many questions in this last five months. And, you know, the missing of this connection and togetherness and talking through social media and doing that. There's a miss. There's something missing in this part of what we're saying here. And so now what, what I'm not saying is that this is the only community. That you need to be a part of you know people and some church leadership vie for such strong commitment because 
I get what they're trying to do, but it, it errs on legalism because there's a grace in our lives to be able to run with. And God, as we release you to go and do what you do in the kingdom, the trust is that your heart is invested in a kingdom. I mean, sorry, your heart is invested in a church community, which is the platform for you to go out and be an impact for the kingdom beyond the four walls of this building. That's the whole point of the, the church being a vehicle for the kingdom. And in this community context, we draw on resources, we draw on each other's expertise and relationships, and we share things, and we go all the ups and downs of life, but we go and do what we are mandated to call, called to do for God, not on our own, knowing there's a whole people that are backing and supporting us. It's not a lonely journey. It's not an isolated thing. And walking away from this, you know, and, and I know many things in our worlds today demand and push for our context for community. The schools, your golf clubs, your hockey clubs, your rugby clubs, your you know, social clubs, your action groups, all these things demand of you and they want your allegiance. They want you to be 100% committed. They want you to be fully in. You know, I can, I can say that to this, this community. You need to be 100% committed and in you. But this is just a cementing, a foundation to what you are called to do to be a person in the world that could be part of schools committees, could be part of hockey clubs and golf clubs and action groups and all that. But you know where your heart lies where the foundation, what God has given you, that's why there's church community. Because it's a powerful knitting together, a spiritual belonging of people that walk years and years and years together. And there's such power in that because it's relationships. And there are many things that are vying for your commitment. And you've got to think, you know, what are you thinking, you know, regards the commitment to those? Because it has to, you have to make a kingdom decision about where you give your heart. Because the investment you do, you've got to think 5, 10, 20 years down the line of what this is. You know, say so for me, I've been a part of this bay for the bay for 26 years. You know, I didn't plan this. But what it's given me in life is I, I couldn't ever make that in any, any corporate world, in any corporate job. It would never give me the context with friends at work and the context what it is. This is where it's all happened. Because it's a church community that sees all the ups and downs in our lives and journeys together. And that's the question. Where, where's your heart at? Now, there's a passage in Jeremiah and Jeremiah 17, 9, where he speaks about the heart. And he says, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Thanks for the encouragement, Jeremiah. But it's a real thing, folks. Who can understand it? He says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Wow. You see, he gives according to the fruit of your works, what you do. And now we understand in a new covenant context, what we do for the kingdom. You know, I always think of that old advert, you know, what did you do with your Philips today? You know, that was light bulbs and all these electrical appliances, you know, that add, that's probably in the late 80s. Eh? But what did you do for the kingdom today? What did you do in serving and living for the king as an ambassador for the kingdom? And here it is, the real thing. See, our hearts do deceive us. They do raise questions in us and we need to be secure enough and mature enough to know that when we can answer those questions, it's cemented on the truth of Jesus Christ being our cornerstone, which established the community of the church as a people and a body so that we can go forward in and with meaningful, meaningful relationships. And I bet you in your own heart, there's been more questions in your heart over this time more than any other time in your life. And we've all been through different seasons of losing jobs, losing loved ones, you know, questions about who do I marry? The, will I ever get married? All these things that go. But in this season, you've had more questions in your heart because there's been more pressed in on us. And 
things like you've needed to make spiritual decisions and your heart has not really felt like wanting to make that spiritual decision in this time. That's been real. You've questioned the church, I'm sure. Well, the church, what is happening? Well, you know, why don't we just meet? Why don't we? I'm sure there are many questions that go through hearts and the decisions, you know, and now, in your, but then also in your own heart, do I really need the church? I've, I've kind of done okay in these last four, five, six months now without the church. I know they've sent me videos and it's been quite cool, but I've, I've been okay. Really? No, your, hearts, your hearts ask those questions and you seem to be doing fine. It may have questioned me. And said, what's this, this guy? What are these eldership? What, do these guys actually know what they're doing? You know, in the context of all that you're feeling in your heart, those are questions that I'm sure you would have asked. And uh, regards the leadership, because you, you know, wanting to understand a few things, maybe have an opinion on it, which we're all entitled to. I'm just saying, not saying that you would have. <laughs> you may have also questioned your own worth in this time. And the reality of who you are, because it's been a season of looking in the mirror. And all you see is you. Warts and all. <laughs> Not fun. Asking questions of, am I up for this life? Can I, can I actually do this? Man, the season that we've walked through. May, maybe you failed miserably during lockdown. And you just are asking questions in your heart of, man, this is, I don't have what it takes. Maybe you're saying to yourself and your heart saying you're a really bad person. And you're, just, you're not going to live up to the expectations of others. Maybe you've looked at this and said and questioned, well, I've achieved nothing during this time and then what you do is you've fallen into the trap of comparison and you looked at other people's lives and thought it's all lies but these are the things that our hearts have questioned us over this time i know why because i've had them and i don't think i'm any different to anyone else i'm a human being that has blood and a brain and everything running through my body but i have a heart that questions and asks and the challenges that we walk through and this is what joshua was saying Oh, you can decide. You decide who you want to worship and who you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord, you know, and we are going to live for Him. And again, it comes to that line that Farnas used when he preached a couple of weeks ago. And he said, it's the foundation is the root of right thinking that sets you on course to be able to be in obedience for the fruit to be produced. Your right thinking, that position of your heart being established and rooted in the things of the Almighty God, because you have questioned lots through this time. And as we've you know, wrapped up this, this story of Joshua, it's given us context, but he leaves people with a charge to say, who are you going to live for? And we're going to start speaking about the kingdom. And the kingdom asks and demands of us to live and serve it and serve the king of the kingdom alone. And so much presses into our worlds, into our lives and distracts us. And takes us away. Because he even says that in this passage here. He says there. And I'll read it again. Now therefore fear the Lord. That's powerful. Fear the Lord. Stand in awe of his majesty. And serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness. You see. Sincerity means that your heart is invested. And that you're not looking what you can get out of this. But you're looking to invest. Because this is what he's called you to do. I've said that before in regards to some of the company profits things we've got online. He said, I don't, I don't serve, and before, you know, I now work for the church. It's, you know, I don't, I've never served the church for what it can give me. I've also never served the church for what I can give it. It's not, here I am, I've arrived. Well, what's this, what's this thing going to give me now? I need this. That's why I said, you don't come here looking for friends. You belong because you want to be a friend. The reality is we serve the body and the church 
and the kingdom because of our hearts being captured by the king. That's why we give our lives to this. Not for what we get out of it, not what we can give. And in that of heart connection, we see the powerful unit of what God uses through the church. Look what God's doing through us because of hearts that are invested. And we're standing together. So sincerity and faithfulness means it's sticking it out. It's walking out the road. We've been tested in this last six months because it just didn't go at all how the way we predicted or thought. And we all just want to go back to what we want and how we had it before. Yeah, we'll have forms of what we've had before. But how we approach and go into it, we've got to learn from what we've just come through. And that'll mark us. And that is marked us. And it's changing us to go forward of what God's got in store for us. We are in powerful times. And like he's saying, Joshua's saying to them, you decide. He's saying to the people of Israel, you decide who you want to worship. Because he's made a decision in his heart. He knows. He knows who I'm going to worship and serve. Who are you going to worship, he says. But for me, but for me and my house, we are going to serve Lord Jehovah. Why, why can he say that? Why can he say with such assurance at the end of his life, charging the people of Israel, saying, look what we've done. Look at the conquests. Look at the victories. Look at the land we've been given. Wow. Now you decide who you want to live for, the Almighty. Why could Joshua say that? He could say that because he's tasted of the goodness of God. He knew that God was good to him, and he saw it play out in his life. Did they fail? Oh, yeah, many times. But in the failure, they realized that God still wants to bless and his position and love for them as a people never changed through all the ups and downs. And that continues to where we live now. And in a new covenant, it continues for us. They had seen loss. They had seen victory. Yet God remained the same to them. You know, Joshua's heart was convinced through all that had happened. He knew loss, victory, our God never changed. He arose as a man, as what God had called him to do, and he prospered in all that God had called him to do. He had to arise and to believe in that. You all need to arise in your hearts to say, I will succeed at what God has called me to do. Prosper in what he's given, the mandate he's placed in my heart and my life to live for the king on this time on earth. And what happened? He died fulfilled. He died knowing he had served the purposes of God and his generation because he trusted Lord Jehovah, who was mighty to him. And we've had to learn to trust the Lord in these last six months. But we know that we are serving him with our whole hearts. And we are seeing much happen through this community of your hearts that are invested into this in our hearts. And I just want to, as we wrap up here, go through the names of God. Because that's who Joshua knew as a man and as the people of Israel at that time. They knew who God was to them. And that, who are you going to serve? Well, we're going to serve the Lord God Almighty because He's good and He's done so much for us. Where's your heart at? Invested into these relationships that we have through this community. The, the heartfelt connections that are proven that will give you a healthier and a longer life. That's just the aspect of the physical, but the spiritual aspect of the victories that we will continue to see as this community and see this city being touched by the goodness of the Almighty God because there's still much work to do. There's still a lot to do. And I'm going to give the rest of my life to seeing God come and work in and through. And the enemy will try, but he will not conquer and have victory over us because we have the victor, Jesus Christ, who is our King and Lord over all. I'm just going to go through the names of God. Be encouraged. Let this settle into your heart. Yeah. He is Jehovah, my Lord God. He is Jehovah Elohim. He is my creator. He is Jehovah 
El Shaddai, my supplier. He is Jehovah Adonai, my master. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Rophe, my healer. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Jehovah Makadesh, my sanctifier. Jehovah Tsekenu, my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Jehovah Roi, my shepherd. Jehovah Shama, my abiding presence. These are the names of God that Joshua knew. This is the God that he says he knew. That's why he could say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. As for me and this house of God that he's placed here, and not the building, the people, we are going to serve the Lord and give our very best in these days. And that word, abiding presence, just stuck out to me. Abiding presence of God, Jehovah Shammah. It's enduring, it's persisting, it's long-lasting, it's lifelong, it's continuing, it's remaining, it's surviving, it's standing, it's fixed, it's durable, it's everlasting, it's perpetual, it's eternal, it's unending, it's constant, it's permanent, it's stable, it's unchanging, steadfast and immutable. That is the abiding presence of God to us. That is the Almighty God. That is the Lord to us. And all that we've walked through, he has remained unchanged. And you need to know where your heart is. And when your heart is invested and given into what God is doing here, because it's asked many questions in this time. And if you are assured in your heart, the blessing will flow. The goodness of God will continue to be poured out to you. Let those names minister to you. Let them touch your heart. Hold on to that assurance and that truth of who the Almighty is to you. Because at the name of Jesus. <laughs> every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. What an assurance to say and know that you can say, the Almighty knows my name and I'm assured that I'm a child of the living God because of what he has done to give me this connection of togetherness. I'm not alone. I'm part of a family that we stand together and be strong. So I speak life over you. I speak the courage of the Almighty to press through as we are walking into these times where we feel changes starting to come upon us about the church and possibly gatherings. We just got to hang in there. But I want to speak life over you. And let's just pray and honor the Almighty God. Father, we thank you for your name that is above every other name. We thank you that at the name of Jesus Every knee will bow and tongue will confess that you are the Almighty God. Every name, meaning the names of emotional depression, the names of hatred, the names of things that have been spoken to us, everything that will come against us, your name is higher. We want to thank you that Jesus, you are the cornerstone. You are the rock of ages. You are the one we hold on to that in every circumstance and season and trial of life, we hold on to the firm truth that you are our foundation. And no matter what we go through, no matter the context of life, we know we walk with a community of people. We walk in the life and the power of the Spirit because you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness by the power of the Almighty God. And we speak life and truth over our hearts today. And I just honor you and I bless you, mighty King, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to Andy and Anna's song, their offering that they've given to us this morning and, and, and just out of the depths of their heart saying, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. Just pour out your heart to him that he's paid a price for you and he knows your name. He knows your name. Amen. Bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll keep in touch and we'll see you soon. Cheers now.